0: Welcome back to Dr. Drill's Making Motivation Podcast, where it is our mission to honor some interesting and authentic people, tell their stories, and uh, strive to put some smiles on faces and fire under the asses of the masses. Today is Sunday, 18 February, 2024, and I've got some fierce motivators from the old uh, unit, 1st Battalion, 6th Marines, Charlie Company, who have uh, been kind enough to grace me with their presence. I'd like to introduce you to Robert Nunn. Call sign Ghost and Shane Oster. Call sign Spanky. How you guys doing today? Good, man. Thanks for having me on, Ob. Uh, it's great to great to see you guys, man. So, uh, making motivation. So, what is motivating about these two individuals? So, as stated, we served together thirty years ago in an infantry battalion, a rifle platoon. And uh, we did a lot of cool training and PT and travel, and we did a bit of suffering together. We served uh, between '93 and '97, and this was, to my knowledge, one of the um, the only peacetime period of four years within the last 50, perhaps. So we were fortunate to uh, sign our lives away and do some kick-ass training and meet some awesome individuals, and have some laughs, travel the world together, and live to tell about it. So this podcast is about honoring men like these, two gentlemen, and they're good friends of mine, and I haven't spoken to them like this in decades. And so it's great to see you guys. Uh, Just coming out of the shoot here, I uh, want to declare that uh, yesterday I I requested an image to be sent so that I could use it for cover art for these two guys, and uh, none. He sent. Uh, he, he ten minutes later, he sent me an image. And uh, could you describe the image for me? None. Yeah. You imagine the listener, imagine a desert, uh, background, a desert locale when you say CACs, that means combined arms exercise. So this is one of the only places in the, in the country, certainly per, perhaps the world where you can do realistic training where the uh, infantry is run around doing their thing and you got planes dropping bombs, helicopters doing their operations demolitions going off all kinds of vehicle stuff happening and friggin' deserts. So there's nothing out there. And so, uh, it was hot and it was hard training and, uh, in our spare time between running ranges or whatever the hell we're doing. Here's these two guys is a, a Humvee in the background and, uh, nuns kind of like splayed out standing up and Oster's behind them with a, what looked like a, um, a bayonet, holding him from the, from the rear, grabbing his throat and with a bayonet to his face. So, uh, and they're both, none's got a big shit eating green on his face and, uh, guys look like they're having the time of their life. What do you make of it? Oster? (laughs)
1: <laughs> and, uh, you know, the stuff like that, that's what makes it fun. You know, that's what, that's what the memories are made of. It's, you don't remember, as time goes on, you forget the shitty parts. You remember the, those little fun moments you
0: had. I think that's what that moment was. Isn't that the truth, man? You you forget all the shit that, that you despise, the day-to-day things that, that, that you hated that made you want to count down for your discharge and then, uh. You forget that, but the, the good shit, and I guess that's that's my impetus for doing the podcast, stuff like that, you know, remembrances like that um, with the boys hanging out, laughing, carrying on, telling stories, drinking beer. So that was awesome. That was a great image to send on. So thank you. Uh, I think that the listeners, folks tuning in are going to look at that and they're going to be like, especially from the old unit, right? From the one six sphere. They're going to look at that and say, ah, oh, I remember those two guys, freaking characters, you know? So uh, on that note, um, after I did the Forsman one uh, podcast this time last week, he and I talked. That
2: was, that was great, by the way. Awesome.
0: Good. Yeah, that's uh, got a good, lot of good feedback. And people were saying things like, oh, I haven't spoken to that guy. I haven't heard his voice. You know, thanks for doing this. And so I was like, I immediately bristled up when I, you know, some people who I haven't spoken to forever or never commented on any of my social media stuff. The little that I do, we're like, yeah, that was great. You know? And I immediately jumped on I'm like, Hey man, I want to fricking interview you. I want to interview you. I want to hear everybody's point of view. And just to, I think it could do us all, a, a quite a bit of benefit. I think that, um, to walk down memory lane and to be reconnected. I mean, even have one guy, um, Forced him towards the end of that podcast. He said, um, uh, there was this guy that we served with and he had, you know, some pretty bad acne at the time. Everybody, we all were fucking boys, right? So we all had fucking pimple faces and shit like that. And he would, you know, that son of a bitch, he would just, just, there was something going on. He was going to tell you about it. So he's like, Hey Smith, what's up with the zits? (laughs) You know what I mean? So that guy Smith quote unquote, um, he saw it, somebody told him, hey, he they mentioned you." Oberst mentioned you on the podcast, and uh, he goes, he contacted me, he said, hey, I haven't talked to him in forever. No hard feeling, you know I mean, but this is the sort of shit that, hey, you know, we had fun at each other's expense, we beat each other up, call each other names, whatever, but at the end of the day, we always kind of would embrace, and we fucking had to, man, because our families were hundreds of miles away or whatever, so, um, so that was a great, great image. Oh my god, dude. Oh, that was special, dude. Shit like that. That mother he had no friggin' filter for his man. He would and and he was uh, you know, I l that podcast, I know I know when I did that actually I reached out you guys will find this interesting. I reached out to one guy and I said, I'd like to interview you, you know, I'd like to talk about some of the things from back in the day and he said, uh, I'm a little conflicted. I don't I don't uh he said that there might've been some, um, resentment about something or somebody didn't, you know, uh, didn't like the way he was treated or whatever by an individual. And, uh, anyway, that was 30 fucking years ago, man. You know? And I said, listen, I really want to hear what you have to say. We all have, if we really think hard enough, we could all find people that we despise from back in the day or didn't always get along with. But, um, but yeah, I think it's important that the stories are told and, uh, Bent Head, that was fucking unbelievable, man. When he did that, I, I mean, I laughed, of course, on the podcast, but when he said that, oh my God, he was fucking brutal when he said that. Right in front of everybody, it was like, everybody's ready to fucking jump in their cars and swoop home for whatever. Hey, take a look at this guy. He wants to be called Scarface, but I think we should call him Bent Head. <laughs> fucking everybody just. Everybody just collapsed in laughter, man. He could do, that. he could, he could have that effect on people. So, um, yeah, he really was. He was great. So, um, cool. All right, so we talk about uh, we talk about motivation. Let's start with you, Nun. Motivation. What did what did it mean to you back in the one six day? And how is it transformed to today? Like, what do you consider motivating then and now?
3: Yeah. When, uh, I, I, you know, I wanted to be one of those guys where we would take like a picture of some shit and it would be on. I wanted to be somebody, you know, that the uh, you know other Marines looked up to as well. Like, hey man, that dude's squared away. You know, he fucking knows his shit. Um, you know, and and, and just another thing, man. You guys were, you know, most, a lot of people don't understand this unless they actually went that route. Um, uh, when I joined the Marine Corps. Had a family growing up, but it never felt right. It wasn't. It's was really hard to explain. But uh, when I met you guys, we all got together. It was we were all so different, like just different walks of life, different beliefs, and we all just worked. Everybody accepted each other for whatever weird quirks they had, which some of us had some really weird ones, and just we're brothers and you know that motivates you you know you want to do good with your brother you always want to you know be like hey
0: man i gotta take care of my brother he's taking care of me i want to do the right thing absolutely bro you know one of the thing you uh things you, you mentioned that i've i've heard on some other podcasts i listen to podcasts a lot of course and uh and so a lot of these Spec Ops guys, when you ask them, when they're, they dig down, like, hey, you know, what would you wind up getting into the military or whatever? They all talk about cinematic portrayal of, like, warriors, right? And it's interesting because, like, that's something that, like, a Platoon, fucking Heartbreak Ridge... uh you know, Sands of Iwo Jima, The Dirty Dozen, all that stuff. We all grew up watching all that shit, and in a way, it was it was great, but it was like propaganda, you know. But that is that is definitely something that inspired me to to want to get in. Like, man, look at these guys, you know, look at that full metal jacket experience. That looks hard. i want to do that. This is what I'm gonna be doing. You know, I'm gonna be join go to boot camp and do all that shit. So, but that was great, none. Heartfelt and heartfelt and and true. I mean, we all. You know, that, that The beauty of it, a big part of the beauty of it that I always tell people is like to be thrown into a, the mix with people who come from different fricking walks of life, parts of the country, religions, you name it. And you just got, to I think the magic was that you just got to fucking deal with it. And so we had to rely on one another and we did and came more close. A lot of us were closer than family, you know, it was one of my first surrogate families. Yeah. How about you there, Oster?
1: That but it's women accepted bond for voluntary naval service, something like that, and anyway, it's an acronym for something. But so, I come from a, a long line of military in my family, and uh, my goal was that was the only way I was going. There was no, not even looking at the, any of the other, the uniform, the history, the movies that was my motivation. I wanted a fucking wrestler uniform, I was the way it takes to get. <laughs> did it yeah you know, it's, they, uh, it's a unique feeling that uh you know they called the few of the proud for a reason and i wanted to be part of that that was my motivation at that age and i wanted to like i said get out and see the world and and, and like none said as uh be part of a team you know have a family that's uh you see the world with and if stats aren't sense it's gonna kill some people and come back home and drink
0: beer see <laughs> do you say that <laughs> so, Oh my god.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Oh my
0: god. Hang out, it was a wild fucking place, man. man. It was a wild place. I'm thinking back. You know, as I was planning this podcast, I'm thinking like about all of it. Like, what was it like? I remember, yeah, you know, we well, it was like a graduated boot camp. I know, Oster, you were with me. None was in advance of us by a few months, as I recall. And so, we finished up Marine Combat Training or MCT, and then SOI, School of Infantry, and then they bust us or marched us or some shit over to Mainside, Side. For the listener, that is like Camp Lejeune, the place. You know, the Camp Lejeune's a big uh, complex. So you got bases all around. Camp Johnson, Camp uh, fucking Geiger, and Hans. No, no, that's fucking that's Okinawa. So anyway, it's a big Jacksonville, North Carolina is a big military town, and uh, Camp Lejeune is where we, we did our our training in Camp Geiger. All of our schooling for being an infantryman. And then uh, they dropped us off in front of the barracks. I believe it was on 8th Street in uh, on Camp Lejeune, main side. And we had our fucking sea bags and our gear and all that shit. And we we rolled up, and people like none were standing there. Maybe none. I can imagine none, even if he wasn't there. Uh, this It's never happened. I can imagine none. Standing on the second deck with a cigarette in his hand, looking over, and all these there was activity. You know, there was a there was, um, you get people coming and going, and the duty standing out there with the duty belt on, and you know, people milling around, maybe some a unit going PT and out there. But I remember there was like an excitement like, here's the new guys that are coming in, and we got fucking sea bags and shit. And again, none had already been broken in, he was already part of the unit um familiar with the chain of command and some whoever was still remaining because a lot of guys doing the four-year cycle guys come back from deployment get out and so here we are and then people like staff sergeant cobb step in front of us and company gunnies and platoon commanders and whoever was tasked with marching us all right we gotta go over there fucking supply and, you know, your guys going to be in second platoon and, you know, this is your squad leader. And then you're going to go put all your shit, you know, you got three in uh, your, your roommates and go put your shit in there and come back out here and go to chow and all this orientation shit. And it was kind of like, an, to me, it was a kind of an extension of boot camp. Where it was like, okay, now we start over again. Now we're out in the, in, the, in the fleet marine force of the FMF doing our real job. And we've been assigned to a platoon. This is what we've been looking for, um, training for. What do you guys remember of that, that day? Arriving at 1-6, the beginnings Ritual. Oh, yeah. It was, it was a uh, that's when you felt like, okay, I'm here, I'm good. You know, <laughs> but those, when you first check
1: in, it's, it's a little shaky, you know, <laughs> you don't know what you don't know who these people are, or what's going to happen, and you're a boot. And a Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah. So... play house or no shit like that. So so with the hazing, you hear a lot of bad stuff about it, yes, yeah, sometimes. It was a little rough. Um, but other than that, man, it, 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 it gave me that bond, you know, because everybody I've ever had, we've whooped each other's ass in some way, shape, or form. Punch each other, kick each other, knock people over while they're taking a piss in Philadelphia, <laughs> like saying it to someone. Okay. <laughs>
0: We're going to be asked to do some pretty crazy things, too. I mean, I think it comes with the territory. That, now, the hazing, to the listener, the hazing that is discussed, there's a lot of rituals that would take place in any fraternal organization. And, um, yeah, obviously, Marine Corps infantry is about as gritty as you get. So, pink bellies was what I saw happening. That would be where each platoon, after we dropped off all our gear and went to chow and and they, they closed it, you know, the 1600 formation. Okay, I'll see you later. The uh, units, the different platoons, started grabbing the new guys and sticking them all in one room. And then they take them, put them in the, in the shower or, or hold them down in some capacity in the, in the barracks room. And then everybody got three slaps on your bare abdomen. So, you know, different people would have a different ritual. Some people would hit harder than others and invariably the Marines going to come out with some bruises, you know, and bl- broken blood vessels on their abdomen and get roughed up a little bit. And then it's kind of like, Hey, welcome to the platoon. You got your hazing. Other hazing rituals are like if you, when you make rank from private to private first class, everybody gets a punch you in the arm. You walk down a gauntlet of guys on each side and they get to punch you in the arm. And you catch when you get a E four or corporal, they get to dead leg you or take their knee and strike you in this in the area where the red blood stripe is uh, positioned on our uniform, and so all these things are fine. But of course, what makes them what made it controversial is that there's always a percentage of individuals who get a little carried away. So you know, there's always that one asshole or or several. Who, like, when you get in PFC, everybody who's already that rank and, and over that rank gets a punch in. Some people wind up and they hit you a little bit too hard. Next thing you know, the guy's got a fucking, I don't know, a broken shoulder a sprained rotator cuff or somebody getting kneed in the, you know, they knee in the side of the of the thigh until, you know, you're really hurt. So um, So these things happen. You know, things would get carried away. But yes, like, like Oster said, um, they, it kind of was an initiation, right. That, uh, made you part of the unit. And so they did that that night. And then, uh, we were like, you know, from that point on, oh, now we're going to go to supply. We're going to get your gear issue, meet us in the second deck lounge. And we're going to have a classes and remember all like the guys who were the new ones, like we were, would be later a couple years later. Right. Uh, who who were like the senior guys? They were like, oh, I'm going to teach a class on land navigation, and they were trying to lead, right? And uh, for the first time, many many of them, perhaps, we're we going, going to be a class on land navigation here. We're we going to PT tomorrow morning. We're we going to fucking go out to the field in a week, and you guys got to be ready and draw weapons. All these fucking things, like we were checking in, you know, go get your weapon at the armory, go get your shit assigned, and. Uh, and so that way, I remember that I was thinking about like the battalion area. Um, can you guys you guys remember the battalion area? Like the what it looked like? Yeah, you were talking, talking about A Street or Alpha Street or Alpha Street. Well, like just the the basic setup. I mean, I should, I always liken it to like the projects, right? You got like fucking like brick buildings, three maybe four stories high, and then crabgrass in the middle. And these buildings, these rectangular buildings are oriented so that there's a central kind of, they call it a quad, uh, like a square. And that's where you'd fucking meet for formations and um, muster all your gear before you went off on a deployment and shit. Or, I remember, this is funny. Uh, I always remember this. As part of that orientation, within the next couple of days, maybe that weekend, there was, uh, remember the volleyball courts that were out front? Yeah. And then. There was like one person, from, maybe from weapons platoon or whatever, that ch- challenged somebody to a wrestling match. And then these guys, <laughs> one guy would go out there and wrestle, and they're wrestling the fucking white sugar sand in the volleyball pit, and they were all hanging over the fucking um, the railings, you know, heckling them and stuff like that. And then somebody would lo- win or lose that match. Somebody would lose the match and then walk away in shame and fucking. Somebody else would run down there, and next thing you know, there's three or four guys wrestling in the in the sand pits. And like, man, these fucking guys are aggressive. Holy shit, we're wrestling in the sand pits, we're beating each other up, giving us pink bellies. So, pretty fucking funny, man. Um, so yeah, for the listener, imagine that like uh, brick building, three three to four stories high, uh, silver aluminum railings with Marines hanging over there, smoking cigarettes, dipping, heckling each other, fucking pizza delivery. People coming in, dropping off fucking pizza, getting heckled and abused. And, um, (laughs) it was a pretty harsh environment. And, uh, but it was, I think it was, it was a very special thing to, uh, to live in that again, close quarters. Got roommates? Like, who were your roommates when you guys moved in? I had uh, Presley and Rumpler on A Street. Rumpler. Rumpler and Presley. Presley, that's a good, that's a good crew. (laughs) (laughs) And how about you, Nun?
3: took
0: it into action in the end of the hour and pressed it. I read it. I think it was after using it. But yeah, I remember that My first roommates were... um going to fucking HVAC on i to turn that shit off. My roommates was NOLS and Red. God rest his soul. Fucking red, man. So, so Nalls, good fucking dude, man. Soft-spoken, jacked, dark green Marine. He was on barracks restriction. He had some sort of trouble that he was in. and uh, But he couldn't have been a nicer fucking guy. Found himself in whatever situation. But uh, he couldn't. Barracks restriction means you ain't leaving the barracks. You fucking go to the chow hall. But... Other than that, I green, I was, uh, Ron green. He was my, my roommate as well at one point, but I know red, man, red was something else. He was cool in the middle of the, you know, (laughs) what's that? I know. So for the listener, um, our friend, uh, Joffrey red. Um, he's in that old platoon photo, man. He was in that that first group that that got there when he first formed up the platoon. He was a good man. And um, he became a... I believe he was from Mississippi? No. Tennessee? Tupelo, Tupelo, Mississippi. Mississippi. And so he... But he wound up becoming a cop in... um, What's that town, man? What is it? It's a, it's a Memphis. Memphis. Memphis? Yeah, he became a Memphis cop, and he just last year, I believe he was killed in the line of duty. He was uh, i the way I heard it, he was um, it, there was a call that came about from the library, a uh, report of somebody hanging around the library causing problems, and he went over to just to try to defuse whatever it was. And the guy pulled a gun out and shot him right in the head. So that was terrible. Shit like that's crazy, right? You know, when you knew somebody 30 years ago, and then you're thinking, you, you know, you, all this time goes by. And then you hear that some crazy shit like that ended his life. Um, absolutely horrific. And it makes you think like, wow, I wish I would have kept a little bit and a little bit better touch with red so that's another reason why i do this sort of ambition for doing the podcast you know um but he was a good dude i remember red he would fucking um (laughs) he would listen to gospel music he had headphones like i'm wearing and he would sleep i don't even know if he was sleeping but he would three four in the morning i wake up to take a leak and he would have these fucking headphones on and they would be blaring gospel music and there would be a cherry in the dark there'd be, I see his cigarette and he would smoke Newports and I would just see fucking billowing smoke. And I was, I, I hated it, man. I fucking hated it, but I loved red. So I, 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 uh, put up with it. I mean, shit, living with somebody (laughs) living with some, yeah. Yeah. And he would wear ju, he would wear jupe cologne. Was that, Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, hey, I'm going to go turn this fucking HVAC down. I don't like the way it's the, the feedback it's giving me. You guys go ahead and talk amongst yourself for just two seconds.
3: right. I got to I uh, you can sleep from time and, uh, with a thumb in his mouth. not, not speaking anything, man, I'm talking I love man, I don't know if it's just the that you with us, but uh, I got picked up and so a little as well, yeah, we're better than I Yeah, man, if you can, you know, giving everybody, their fair.
0: With something else. Yeah. something else. I think uh all right, problem fucking solved. So uh how about the training we got the fucking accommodations we live in these little shitty barracks fucking two to three of us in a room at any given uh you know living in there fucking field day you mentioned there (laughs) poster you mentioned fucking field day cobs with field day that was an interesting thing you guys want to talk about that how that how that whole thing worked
1: Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Well, like you do know, it in like a couple of hours, no one stays no one watches, like they come and check like ten percent of the rooms. Like it's skate, man. It's crazy. Like I was freaking out my first one. I was like, What well, I gotta do and I like, oh we oh, oh. don't have to do all that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: That sucked, man. Oh, that fucking sucked, man. <laughs> you fucking ass. I'd say that's that was that was abusive, man. That was there was some shit that went too far. Like on the one hand I'm glad that we went through that just because it was it's something to talk about that's funny now, but you know, I used to hold that shit over our head. Be like, oh, yeah, we got a 72-hour pass this weekend, three days off. Uh, if you guys pass field day, that is, I don't know. And they would fuck with us, dude. They would, like, even Cobbs, I loved him, Cute little guy, and I mean, he was he was great. But he would fucking, his whole thing, Who was like, okay, field day. And we'd move all our shit out of the room, all of it, to the listener. And then we fucking, you know, scrub floors and Q-tip clean shit. And all this crap. And uh, you got three guys in this tiny little fucking room. So there's quite a bit of a mess. So you got to clean the room. And then they come back and somebody would fail and you punish, you know, punishment by the numbers, right? So if my room fails, then none in Oster, they're not, they're going to suffer too. So they're, then they hate me. And then they're, you know, coming down and say, hey, what the fuck's up with your room, Oberst? It sucks. You know, they're not going to let us go now. So here we got the fucking car running. We got all these plans. We we're gonna oh, maybe go home and see our high school sweetheart or some shit, and then they would fucking do that, hold it over her head, and then uh, you know it'd be like nine, ten o'clock at night, and these motherfuckers would come on down the catwalk hammered, you know, and be like, "Ah, oh, everything's good. You guys did good. Yeah, listen, you got to get that clean. You got to make sure you do it." And Cobb's, it seemed, it seemed like i think a lot of it was like whether we're talking about hazing or talking about um you know they talk about old core right shit it's fucking 30 years later now we're old we're so old core it's not even fucking funny but i mean these guys what the hell do they do to each other because somebody tortured your ass and made you q-tip clean your room you're gonna pay that forward and make us all um suffer i remember one time i had uh i flipped the fuck out because i was probably lance corporal or something like that but uh gunny holmes remember that guy he was big big dark green muscle gold teeth you remember him he he go he, he would say motherfuckers that to be no doubt i am the motherfucking company gunny remember him so he came through and he's fucking trashed my room he's like your room this is unsat you know they're not going anywhere and then Sergeant Suela, who was like fucking hell of a guy, you know, um, he was our platoon guide, I believe at the time he came in, he's like, Oh, Bruce, what's going on in your room? And I fucking, I let him have it. I was like, dude, this fucking sucks. How the hell do you, you know, we all join this shit. We, we imagined maybe staying in and, you know, making a career as who the fuck would want to do this shit when you get people breathing down your neck about some nonsense. You know, I was fucking losing it. I remember that guy. He was, he was a tough dude too. He was like, I see in his eyes, he's like, you're fucking, you're right, dude. I hate this shit. I can't believe, I want to go off on Libo too. What the fuck? But, um, yeah, field day sucked, but it was funny.
1: Ha, <laughs> ha, stairwell, and who's coming to what? And I go clean your rooms. I uh, And then, uh, I was divorced, I just, I got divorced right when I left like, my six. And, um, yeah, I get there, and like, everybody's just part, like, chilling, like, partying, music, and drinking, and like, it's an after-work activity. There's no one checking on you. They don't come by and look at your room or anything. And, um, no staff in you know. It's like, the, the thing with the airway that a lot of people don't The only thing they give a flying fuck about is the aircraft being like war ready, ready to go. That's all they care about. They don't care about the dumb games, they don't care about that bullshit, they don't care about inspections, uniforms, none of that shit. We don't have it once in a while. But they don't they don't give a damn about that stuff, man. They they want the the aircraft to be ready to go. That's their that's their only concern. They don't dick with the silly games that a lot of the infantry do deal with. They don't have time to fuck with. Because there's only these X reps that need to be done, which is, they have to be done in 24 hours, a right, repair. So that, as long as all that stuff, that's when they lose their shit, is when that stuff's not
0: done. They don't care about the, the fuck fuck. They don't do that. Really. <laughs> it's a whole different world. Man. It is a fucking whole different world, man. That's one, that's, ah, oh, dude. What do you think about f hey, you guys remember when we when we were uh just showed up? I remember like on a fucking Friday afternoon looking over across the company area. And uh did you say H Street? It wasn't it was eight H or not, not Eighth. No. So when we checked in, we were on A Street, which is Alpha. We were on A Street. That was the furthest marriage down before you got Yes. Started. Yeah. Club. The other way, when we came back from the Mew, we went to H Street, is a hotel. We went to H Street. Okay. So H Street was you went down, and you turned at the circle. Remember that big traffic circle? Yeah. You went left like you're going to. Yes. Traffic. So which is the one that was by the base theater? Was that the first? That was A Street. That was the first one. Okay. Yeah. That was, that was, that was the we boot, were boots. Boots,
1: <laughs> fucking big time. <inaudible>
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about. I guess it was. It was the first uh, location then. When I was, there was a big fucking tree that they had cut down, and the fucking the for uh, the people who got not NJP non-judicial punishment, they got in a little trouble. They had a fucking. They had to like take picks and shovels and shit and dig the roots out of the. on the ground of this gigantic oak tree, or something like that, that was like the punishment that the first sergeant had, or whoever had deemed that they had to do, shit like that. You know what? I like being, I, I like the dirt, like you, Nun. I liked, I liked, like the notion that we're we're tough, we're gritty, we can hack, we can hack it, we can stand it. But I feel like, um, some of the shit was a little bit much. You know what I mean? Like, especially in the early days before we had any kind of rank, it's like. Oh, motherfucker. You know what I mean? Um, And then I hear stories about people talking about how at the wing or whatever else that they actually, you know, would be treated uh, with some kind of dignity. And I'm like, man, hmm. So that's what the other experience is like. But uh, anyway, very interesting. The battalion area, being part of an injury battalion, PT, fucking let's talk about falling out for PT green on green i remember when we first showed up remember that with fucking captain wells green on green in those fucking like a a uh off-white sweatpants sweat outfits and we tear off around the fucking you know camp lejeune down all these trails 100 guys in in the company and fucking motherfuckers sprain their ankles and the sick bay, the battalion aid station would be all full with guys, you know, all broken up after the thing, in the snow, in the mud. I mean it was good fucking training. It was pretty cool to do that. But um he was pretty sadistic when it came to PT. The smell the smell. <laughs> What's that none? Yeah. Smell of alcohol while everyone was running and sweating oh. out. Oh my, never, god, oh my god,
2: bro.
0: Oh my god. It would just fumigate through the whole platoon. It was just. Oh god. Harden and then the, the smell of that all coming. That was worse than the run itself. Just by the side. <laughs> fucking Hickmon. <laughs> Hickmon. <laughs> Hickmon! Our fucking. Our buddy Hickman. He was the best, you know. So we go on these runs, we go on these fucking, usually like three miles or something, half a mile and a half out, mile and a half back. And Hickman had this thing where most, I think it's actual physiological reflexes to like, if you got a fucking run or fight or flight or whatever, you're, you're exercising, you don't feel like you need to use the restroom, but Hickman would always feel, he would always have to take a shit. So we would fucking run halfway down the road and then he would duck out of the formation. And then he would fucking return to the formation missing a sock or a sleeve. He was always shitting his. He always had to take a shit. <laughs> with one fucking... <laughs> like Mad Max. Duck into the fucking woods. I remember one time with him. Uh, I mean, that was routine. He did that. He was known for that. But I think I remember towards the end there. We were on a patrol. This whipped. Their Forsman showed up and he had us doing these pretty, you know, higher speed patrols and shit. And we were in this little patrol base or we wanted to move somewhere. And Hickman's like, I gotta take a shit. And he made him take a shit right in the middle of the formation, you know? <laughs> What's going on over there? Hickman's gotta take a shit. Fucking Hickman.
1: That's the shit that, like, you missed, though. Like, that'll never fucking happen out here. No. That was. Yeah, that was
0: Oh kind of shit, right? just, just barbaric shit, yeah, it's uncouth, but us, it's like, yeah, shit, shit right here. Fuck it. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I think you know when I, like when I was talking to Forsman, that was one of the things that I mentioned i uh, I always liked about I think the reason why we had we liked working together or we have such good memories because oh, everything was stripped away, you know. If you had a fucking big nose or a little dick, or you had to take a shit when you ran, somebody's gonna say something. It was just, you know, it was just gonna happen. You know, there's all kinds of shit like that. Just people being human beings and doing stupid shit. And of course, we were young and work hard, play hard. So at the aforementioned uh, falling out, everybody smells like a, a brewery. That's what we did, man. That seemed like to be the thing to do. Part of it was. It was always, uh, you know, work hard, play hard. You get back to the barracks, you, you're hitting the fucking seven-day store or whatever and getting a case of beer, and everybody's going to curse and swear and laugh and carry on, beat each other up, and wake up the next morning and do it all over again. It's how we pass the time. Or
3: you go to the dribble and show up at zero
0: 05 crawling up the barracks trying to get a formation to go run. Oh, my Still God. There. Oh, no. Oh my fuck, oh my God, man! yeah, some of that shit it was fucking crazy man the the way we lived the chow hall heading on over to the chow hall, getting our fill, fucking eating fucking renditions of southern specialties like fucking okra and fried catfish and <laughs> Un- <laughs> unspeakable things, but that would fuel us or fucking MREs. Which, what do you guys, uh, what is your favorite MRE? Pork with rice and barbecue sauce without a doubt. Wow. Loved it. Cold as shit. Too. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I'll trade. I'll trade shit for that. You, you, you get a trade. You get some takers on that, I think. Yeah, because a lot of people don't like that. Nah. Oh God. I was, I yeah. <laughs> like a of like pink, pink <laughs> Holy shit. How about you, Nun? Believe it or not, man, chicken it in rice. With all the hot sauce in it I could collect and the cracker. That was my thing. Yeah. That's a solid choice. That was a good one. Yeah. Gosh, I I don't know, man. Of course everybody everybody liked the uh Everybody liked the beef stew until you didn't like it, you know what I mean? And that's the thing, like you get one of those rat, you get one of those MREs, a meal ready to eat for the unaffiliated and uh you'd have it, you'd be your go-to, but you could have a fucking <laughs> I mean you're eating them cold typically. They had these heaters that were like you we had water and we would use those to pretty much make we made <laughs> we made MRE bombs. <laughs> That's fucking bullshit. Yeah. If you had time, maybe use an MRE heater, but these things, uh, for the listener, we, they were these uh, plastic uh, bags with uh, this, like, wafer of some sort of chemical in it, like a chemical, square chemical wafer, and you would add water and close the bag, and it would start to steam and react. So we would take the bag, and we would take the element out and crumble it and put it in, like, a two-liter bottle. And then, as you take a bunch of MRE heaters, and then you put water in, and turn the bottle top, squeeze it tight, and shake it up, and throw it in the quad, and the fucking bottle would go, It would deform, and it would it would sound. I mean, it sounded tremendous. You could, I mean, you hear one of those fuckers go off, and then the duty come, duty NCO comes out, and people, what's going on over here? The fuck you thinks going on here? You got fucking thousand guys 18 to 22 that are doing this all the stupid shit you ask of them all we want to do i mean that that's all we want to do is fucking hijinks and pranks and drink and carry on mres um how about the term rat fuck you steal it it's a good one yeah Uh, to rat fuck to rat fuck the MREs. That's when they go, somebody goes in and, and there's a box of MREs that say there's dozen or two dozen sandwiched in there and you take the one you want and leave all the other shit out there. That was a low, that was a fucking, that was a fucking dirty trick, right, that was.
3: the word?
0: Oh. Fucking oh, un- it's, it's just bad. That that that's not even a word big enough to describe how constipated you were after this thing. Oh,
1: fucking dude. disgusting.
2: Oof. But anyway, getting back to the,
1: that sucks. And so you eat those MREs like saying, four or five a day, three, days of, three meals a day. And then I went to so the guy like, Don't ever do that. That was the worst mistake I ever made. <laughs> so it was just, I mean, it was
0: fucking nasty, dude. The shit that we ate, the shit that we drank. Uh, think about, um, I remember we went to, uh, it dawned on me when we went to Australia and, uh, we went into, it was like an air air base or something, but we went to their chow hall and I'm like, you motherfuckers, man, look at these guys. They got fucking all this commercial fucking cereal there they got oh, fucking omelets to you know order all this shit and we were eating you know mres and tray rats and disgusting shit um and then i remember getting out of the uh when we'd come out of the field we would it, if we didn't have enough time to go home or whatever we'd go out in town to some of those places all you oh. can eat what is it golden fucking corral shonies and you know we still have cami paint in the eye sockets and behind our ears and we'd fucking go in there and just do damage and they would lose money I remember Barry he fucking went in the tank uh, fucking Italian tank he supposedly went to a uh, all you can eat Asian place and they told him he had to leave he fucking he ate (laughs) too you just fucking just you just want some kind of food something that's like palatable something that's some oh fucking my tie little i used to go to that piccadilly cafeteria in the mall and i'd get a i'd get fucking chicken fried steak i mean it's the first time i ever had chicken fried steak but that was pretty damn good um food and a drink uh i was talking uh mentioned to Forsman about the um What do you guys make of the, the water thing, the Camp Lejeune water lawsuit?
1: Eighties, yeah. Yeah. We should be good for now. I remember drinking rusty water at Paris Island on the rifle range. <laughs> Don't throw your kid's jeans off. It's like orange. I can't
0: like that's just gonna fuck me up at some point in my life. <laughs> oh yeah. I'm I'm i wondering
3: with if it was just an isolated incident with Captain, you know, because we went to so many different military installations, um sometimes i've drank water before you know certain places just like man this just really isn't good but i'm freaking thirsty and uh not even mentioning the time in shacks when we had our uh, resupply for water and then a water bowl out in the middle of the freaking desert we get it and it's contaminated with diesel fuel mm. um that, that was fantastic jesus uh, yeah, i just wonder you know where
0: come in contact with some uh, not so uh, good water oh lord you oh, ne- know i always thought that uh i've long been a fan of the phrase uh, dirty kids don't get sick our dirty kids are healthier or whatever I do. I do feel like, um, there's some truth to that. You know, obviously the COVID cooties came in scenarios like that where there's something that our immune system hasn't experienced before. But, uh, I feel like, um, I mean, it doesn't have to be a infectious disease, but I feel like, um, let's say we're talking about the weather. You know, remember the times when we were fucking out sitting in a fighting hole filled with water or we were out on patrol or we're hot or we're fucking we're we're in in Cuba and we slept in that green fucking tent and there was no air conditioning at first. And then there was like this fan blowing on us when we just blowing hot air on us like the shit that we've endured, even though it was all in peacetime or whatever, like we endured some shit where like people like, oh, my God, it's going to snow. I think it's going to rain tomorrow. Oh, I'm gonna be fucking miserable. I, like, I feel like, man, you know, I feel like uh, it doesn't affect, it doesn't affect me. I feel proud that to have had a comparative experience, you know what I mean? Like to, to have done some shit, like, or even, you know I've been doing this thing lately where I've been walking a lot, and I was walking just in this down a country road in the dark the other uh, end of last week, and somebody's like, "Oh, you're walking there just alone." I know I'm a guy and all that, but, like, it made me think of, on whatever patrols or whatever, we, whatever training we were doing, just walking down and almost zero visibility and still kind of finding your way and somehow not poking your eyes out of your head and living to tell about it. Like, it definitely made us stronger, some of the shit we were doing. I don't know about uh, eating MREs, that's an interesting thing, drinking water. I mean how many ti think about how many times we drank out of those fucking water bowls or company or the gunny's fucking jerry cans of water. Lord, no you know those motherfuckers pissed in those things, man. You know that somebody like I know there's the water dog, uh I heard the water dog uh MOS job title, but you know those motherfuckers get bored. What the hell you do if you're a water dog? You're gonna be bored out of your mind. You say, I'm gonna piss in this fucking water bowl. Um I wouldn't put it past anybody, but I'm glad that MOS exists. Yeah, you have one for everything. Ah oh, man, we fucking. You need to have the basic necessities of life, but you think about it like, I could see how something like that could happen. It's terrible when I see those um, those commercials about the Camp Lejeune water lawsuits and stuff. It's almost it's weird. It's almost like you resent it a little bit because we have such allegiance to having served and, you know, like all these ambulance chasers and shit like that. The lawyers, I got a guy up there who's supposed to be a Marine. He's got like a fucking full head of hair and he's like, oh, were you injured in this? Obviously there's people who were affected by this, but I mean like shit, even when we served, Lord knows that there were stuff that we were exposed to earplugs. I remember having those little fucking yellow things that they would get, Clogged with dirt and fucking earwax, and they weren't worth a shit. I used cigarette butts. home, man. You did. I lose my shit. I lose my earplugs. little phone thing. Yeah. I lose phones. I just use cigarette butts. I always had cigarettes at the time. I smoked back then, so I just ripped a smoke a cigarette. That couldn't have been good either. No. The thing is, we weren't risk averse, you know, we weren't risk averse. And all that, I mean think about shipboard life gosh i can i tell you what's interesting about that i mean so maybe that wasn't so healthy too, living in that close quarters and all these little freaking i remember being in that uh i think non you might have been above me or allison was in there somebody but remember the fucking hammocks and shit we slept on on the ponce Absolutely. and the fucking like the look like something from dr seuss they had like these air pipes that would come down and I was on the bottom rack for a while. I remember I was just kinda like, you know, like, oh, there's air. This air is gonna keep me alive. I'm just gonna breathe that fresh air. Imagine like this pipe that's going distinctly out into the clear air of the above the Atlantic or Mediterranean, wherever we were, but fucking breathing in farts and JP five and floor wax and fucking I can smell what's that? Oh yeah. He was in one of the racks and he woke up one morning, you know, most men do. He's got a you know, got an erection going on and he's spearing the guy above him like with his freaking dick. That <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm like I'm talking to him, I was like hey, man, what's up, he's like, I can't get out of the rack, man, I'm stuck. I am like, What the hell you mean? I looked and he's got like a rage <laughs> like thing back in the and he has above him. Uh dude it yeah but
1: put you but again you to maintain it or you to do like weekly maintenance or you just
2: down the you you oh my god
0: Bottled and whatnot, back into service US SOCOM from what I understand I heard that oh, no. I heard something it's like that <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ that we had. fucking thing I mean that was that was Oh my fucking god Tell Robinson, Robinson set that whole thing up. <laughs> He was a good fucking dude man Robinson Um no, tell the story about uh Skinny motherfucker with a fat ass dick. Willie
3: Whitehurst. Oh, man. Uh, you're way better at telling
0: the story, but you know. Former Whitehurst going to be like, You ain't no. I'm a skinny motherfucker with a fat ass dick. Flat out. <laughs> <laughs> All about it, man. Yeah, as I remember, uh, he would come. So, White uh, Willie Jean Whitehurst. He was a dark green Marine really kind of lean, very athletic. I mentioned him earlier. He was a, he was our squad leader and, uh, he was a good guy. He, he trained us well. He could PT his ass off. He, uh, he disciplined us when needed, but otherwise he kind of was hands off. Just let us do our thing. He, he did cultivate quite a bit of unit pride so that we felt like we're part of something. And, uh, so we were, we were allegiant to him. But, uh, so we're on ship We're uh, the ship we're on, is called the USS Ponce. We're on the 22nd Marine expeditionary unit. And we were floating across the Atlantic for a six month deployment, just kind of patrolling the waters, doing a show of force we traveled, we stopped, we trained, we went off, did libo, uh, had some free time, <clears throat> saw a lot of the world. So, uh, but we're living in talking about nothing being sacred. We're in a fucking, um, a birthing, which is this tiny little room and you climb down these stairs through this hole and you, and these stairs are probably look like a fucking seventy sixty five 65 degree angle. So you're, it's almost vertical like a ladder and you get down the bottom and there's this these, these racks stretched out on canvas, held up, um, three or four high. And we would, that's where we would sleep and we had these little wall lockers and shit. And so Willie Jean Whitehurst, there he was at the beginning, at the, at the start of the, uh, when right we when get down the stairs, it was his, his locker, his rack. And so he would come down from taking a shower and he would be naked with this little green towel around his waist. He would, he would drop that off. And he had a fucking, he always take his washcloth and put it on top of his head and then he would set to powdering his nuts. He would set to powdering his genitals and he would not like do it just a little bit he would fucking kind of fling it around and this whole thing. And none goes, I remember none looks over. He goes, Corporal Whitehurst, you're a skinny motherfucker. And Whitehurst goes, yeah, I'm a skinny motherfucker with a fat ass dick. <laughs> and then he would fucking carry on. And, uh, that's so uh, then that became part of his, Legend, skinny motherfucker, fat ass dick. <laughs> 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 I always oh God. Hey. He was in shape, man. And he was, he had served in the navy, I think, before. I think he did enlistment in the navy before he came into corps. But he yeah. was he was a <laughs>
1: Yeah. But in hindsight, it's it's all crazy how we live. Man. Like like you were saying, drink, go you know, drink all night, hang out with the boys, smoke probably a pack of cigarettes that night. And then you get up the next day, run three or four miles, and you're just like, whatever, let's do it again. Like, it, 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 that's crazy how
0: we were that young that we could treat our bodies like that. Yeah. You know, and we were fine with it at the time. And looking back, it's like, what the hell were we doing, man? Yeah, we couldn't. me yeah I would I would do uh so a couple times I did dip I took a dip of Copenhagen and I did that the first time I did that was an SOI and we're all waiting for those fucking phone boots and I took a dip somebody hey have a dip and they fucking knew that I never did it and I put a fat dip in there and I fucking went I was like a stand-up comedian for like 25 minutes and then I felt like shit so uh so i would do um but i i would do like totems or red man golden blend because that was one of the things like i would look around i see guys smoking or dipping and you're out in the field and you're cold and you're fucking hate it and you're miserable and then you look around there's guys circled up and they're laughing and carrying on and they got something in their hand and they're like it was like a it was like a a safe haven you know um (laughs) <laughs> so obviously most of us smoked for a time i did smoke but uh yeah i, I yeah, looking back man i can't i can't do any of that shit of course we get older you ten, twenty, thirty 10 20 30 years goes by it's like i had a. I was telling none the other day I, I throttled back from drinking i i only do it special occasions anymore but for many years i i still drank you know i still uh would try to do that just because it was part of my default mode and uh hey I got a hard day I got to, worked hard today I'm gonna drink you know three four giant IPAs I'm like fuck so I started say at one point I was like I just can't do that shit anymore it just doesn't make me feel good so I don't I'm, I'm glad I'm beyond that but uh you know special occasions I go out to dinner I've got a beer a glass of wine or something but but um that was such a part of our culture right? That was, that was just what we did. That was part of it. And, uh, I, on the one hand, I feel like, um, what the hell else are you going to do? You got these guys that are fucking full of testosterone. It's like Lord of the fucking flies. They're all poking fun at each other, trying to, you know, trying to, uh, outdo each other, trying to find their way, their place within the, the, the pecking order. And, uh, it's stressful and it's hard and it's painful and it's, you're away from home, so you just what do you do? You fucking drink beer, carry on with your buddies, and that's what we did every day for four years, um, and it was great. I remember some of my great, some, some of my favorite times were doing that. When I think back, you know, some of the stories that we have, all of them were, um, all of them were facilitated in some way by some sort of substance like that. But, uh, but you know. We grow up. We grow out of it. We move on.
3: If I could just remember how many times Shane carried me back to the ship because I was so
0: wasted. Oh, <laughs> yeah. carried me many nights. Many nights. Oh, yeah. More than I can count. More than I can count. <laughs> the I can count. You
3: know, and to, to
1: the listeners that don't know him, he's a, a giant fellow. <laughs> I don't know how many six what? Six six. All six, six. Yeah. I mean in shape six six. You know, even in shape, big six six. I know it was, was some rough nights getting them back, but it's better than that than the the alternative, which was uh us being a no show on the boat the next day.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what was your favorite ports? What was the some of the uh, I'd say I really enjoyed Malaga Spain. Oh yeah. Uh, Valencia, yeah. I love that. I'll tell you what, I fucking hated. That was fucking Albania. Ugh. I hated that place. They would have, you know, well, that's where those guys got shot, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, man, that was fucking weird. Remember, I remember in the chow hall, they had like. <laughs> they always try to entertain us, like, all right, maybe the Marines would like it if we get this little fucking fiddler a uh, troop come in here and play the fucking violin in the chow hall. We're like, get the fuck out of here. I remember they did that. They had somebody like, I'm in the chow hall, and they got, I remember they, remember they gave that milk It what was it called? Parmalat or something like that? It it, it it tasted fucking terrible. And I remember there was like this little, you know, Albanian, mangy Albanian guy who's playing like a, a violin or something sitting on the, by the side, I'm like, this is fucking bizarre, man. And then they, I didn't even, I don't think I made it out in town. We did a, I remember we did a PT run through town, but they, they warned us that that port could not, might not necessarily be the most friendly. But yeah, there were two guys, for the listeners, we had um, two Marines, they, they they had a custom, it seemed. If you, if they offered you drink, it would be like a, what was it, Rocky or something, some really Rocky yeah. Oof. So Rocky was like a grain alcohol. And then if I, you know, invite, if you come into whatever, you know, and I say, Hey, and I give it to you, that's like, if you say no, then you're an asshole. So, um, you know, we, nobody said no and everybody got hammered. And these guys from, I think it was Bravo company were out there. And of course they're dressed in their uniforms and some of the local ladies that were talking to them or probably hitting on them or something and uh and somebody broke out of a firearm and i think one guy lost a kidney and <clears throat> they they all lived but that yeah that was not a great port um for that but uh odessa was nice right the, ukraine the, the ukrainian uh port was great huh you know, it was it was like of out there, maybe a out there. yeah yeah they and loved them. us man they it, th- they loved us yeah i remember having an epiphany because i remember when we pulled into it i'm like oh this is gonna suck you know i imagine like ivan drago You know, like again, the cinematic portrayal of whatever our enemies, but former Russia and these people were nice as can be. They did a big show of force on the thing, on the, on the, on the wharf when we pulled in. And I always remember the, uh, those guys challenged us to, um, there we showed them line training and we're like hey you grab my you try to choke me and i'm going to do ready one is where i break your wrist and then i fucking twist around and kick you and sweep your leg and then i'm going to stomp you in the head but we do that in sequence because safety and then these guys are like fucking they remember one guy was squatting down he had like a a a wine jug empty on his head and the other guy does like a flying kick and smash the fucking wine jug and they're pulling out uh, butterfly knives and tacking each other and throwing each other to the ground. And then they fucking, um, challenge us all to, a uh, arm wrestling and they beat every single person, everyone. They beat the shit out of us. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was surprising. But, um, like a, a song with him, we're drinking, though. what's that? Yeah, uh-huh. definitely. Remember when they came? Remember when they came to fucking uh, Lejeune Then uh-huh. they visited us, and they were dressed in like these, like silver, almost like a space shiny. Looked like they were outer from outer space, and they were all like, you know, pasty white, you know, Eastern Bloc types, and they smelled. They they didn't. There's something about maybe the food they eat or the culture, but they. I remember they smelled like a fresh leather belt. When you go in the chow hall, they all smelled terrible. Like it was fucking terrible, bro. But that was probably the highlight of their life, you know, coming to, to stay in Camp Lejeune and, I don't know, go out to McDonald's or something like that. But they were pretty good. We did some training with them, right? They brought their weapons to, uh, you know. Um, what else? What other ports or deployments were cool? Yeah. Yeah, okay, was neat. Beautiful, man. Beautiful. I mean, it's like crystal clear water. Oh, yeah. He's temperature year-round. I
2: mean, it was, it was a great place. We were there, like, December to June, and when we got there, and, uh, it was, like, 80 degrees, man. In mm-hmm. December, we left, like, 20 degrees, like, 22 hours earlier. We were freezing our balls off, and now we're, like, in Hawaiian shirts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay. And I got like TAD orders to accomplish in it, so I was like working that little fucking fault, like giving out like radio codes to people. How did you swing that?
1: Hmm. Interesting.
2: <laughs> <It's>, like, <laughs> that's just our mindset. We didn't know what I was going to pick us up. We didn't know shit was going on with that whole thing, man. Yeah. That was, that was a weird experience.
0: We just sat up there relaying messages from, like, you guys to, like, the other side of the island. You were never asleep. What's that? You recall me falling off that cliff in Okinawa? I don't. had some pretty cool terrain, man. I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> like rolling Hills, but, uh, definitely some pretty realistic training. Um, <laughs> the fucking legendary Habu. I didn't, I never even saw a Habu. Did you guys stumble upon one? You ever run across a Habu? What's that? Yeah. I always wanted a friggin' Habu sake uh, you know, bottle of Habu Saki. I don't know what hey, the pretty had that shit in the seven days store base. Really? The, the Viper it,
2: yeah. yeah, we drank some of it. It's good. Yeah, that's some uh, it was stout.
0: Some wild shit. <laughs> and fucking y- Yakisoba. I used to I still
2: I still eat today,
0: man. I love it. I I used to love yakisoba, man. Go down to the E the club there or whatever and get Chicken, beef, yakisoba, whatever, the combo, whatever they had, that was delicious. Yeah, it was great. Man. I loved those. Did you ever go out to, like, any of the towns and stuff, like Naha or Nago or, or, or? I Haley? Think I, I think a little bit. I'm not not as well-traveled as others. Good, You did that? Yeah. It was tough to get to those, you know, not unless it was, like, a, a, a full weekend, you know. But that was on purpose. i went to in a couple of times up by us, and that was a full cool, It was a whole bunch of Pachinko places. Is that what it's called? It's balls, and it's, like, gambling. I don't
1: know how you play it, but those were everywhere. Man. What is it called? Pachinko, I think. Yeah, there's, like, Pachinko building everywhere. And it's, like, it's, like, some kind of gambling. It's like
0: little metal balls. And they land in certain places. Jesus Christ. What are about the uh, you know what I, I know that some of the guys one I didn't ever made it down to the uh the banana show yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever see that <laughs> Huh? Do I know could be him if we ever seen anybody like him Say uh I've seen things in Okinawa that I would never see Really? I never, I, I missed that man. I don't know what the fuck was wrong with me. I, uh, I think that the Schwab, I believe that that was on purpose, man. They put us up there because they knew that, it was a, pro- it would be a problem. Like, but that was a self fulfilling prophecy. I feel like they did that to us. They made like warriors out of us, and, and then they're like, hey, surprise, hey, keep, you guys, better be careful this weekend. I'm like, you know damn well we're gonna go out and raise holy hell, but. Um, <laughs> To the listener, the banana show is a an infamous uh, experience that you will find in uh, places like Okinawa and I know Thailand was one that I always heard about where it's a topless bar, but um, some pretty racy things will take place. And supposedly a woman could consume a banana with her genitalia and then... Uh spit out chunks of the banana and as well also could like squat on a stack of quarters and give you change and shit like that. I heard of things, stories like that. I never, but, um, everybody, of course, every young Marine wanted to see stuff like this. Um, you know, that's one of the things that Forsman said that, um, you know, I, I wouldn't have said it that way, but he, you know, he said, he goes, who's the heroes of, uh, of Marines, you know, who, who looks, he said, prostitutes. And so like, um, you, of course we're young, we're fucking virile. So we're really, you know, we're, we got majorly hormonally driven. We want to fight. We want to reproduce. We're, we're genetically programmed to do to have all these behaviors. And so what do you do in a military town full of warriors? You open up a topless bar and a bunch of, you know, bars or whatever, and um you know liquor stores and tattoo parlors and shit like that and then guys go out there and they spend their what little hard earned money they have um appealing to these dancers and stuff you know and uh i remember <laughs> none what is it lees what's the story about lees he like had a dancer girlfriend and then she like something like he they were they were boyfriend girlfriend And he he goes on float and he comes back and she took all of his fucking cleaned everything out or something like that. Like she Yeah, I'm trying to remember the whole story, but yeah, he was like all in love and he came back, you know, which happened to a lot of the
3: people come back and, you know, like taking everything you have and just disappeared. Yeah. occasion me and shane would be sitting there and you know for us would we'll be like all right listen here you don't fucking go to this area this is a red light you know area bad shit blah 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 basically telling us to fucking go <laughs> <laughs> like yeah 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 dude we're definitely going there we're definitely going there he's like you fucking get
2: it don't fucking let me see you out there chum. and we're like hey, we're fucking going there every time and uh <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. It was like anywhere they told us not to go,
3: me and saying, uh-oh, we were going Absolutely.
1: Every time. <laughs> uh, that's the, the worst thing they did was put the off-limits establishment up. Like they wanted you to, like,
0: don't go here. That's exactly where we're going. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. They'd give issue us those libo briefs and be like, oh, we're pulling into... Like, Naples, I... I'm trying to think what happened in Naples. Uh I didn't feel like um I ha- I remember had this thing. We just gotten off ship and we went to this little like I don't know, a little fucking eatery. It was like inside of a bazaar, like a little mini mall or something, and you walk through and there's a restaurant here and you can shop there and I remember like kinda like being um not warmly welcomed. You know, like somebody had, I mean, that's one of the the downsides. Imagine if you are like, it's your hometown, you live in a coastal city and, uh, all these assholes jump pile off of a fricking boat and come in and like, you know, they're just getting hammered and walking around in the middle of the night fighting each other and fighting everybody else. And you're like, fuck. And these assholes again, I didn't feel warmly welcomed in Naples. Um, but we went to Rome there or we took a little trip to Rome, uh. Um, let's see, other, other ports. How about Australia? You guys enjoy, Shane, do you go to Australia with us? Nah, uh, I stay, I was back in I never, I, I didn't go to that before. But... Australia was pretty nice. I would, they left me in Okinawa to, to, to man the fault. <laughs> I, that's too. I wanted to go. Yeah, it was pretty special. Um, I'm trying to think what else. But, uh, yeah I mean that's that was the bummer man, when you would run into um we run into somebody who kind of saw you come in like knew that there was trouble coming, and we were trouble, you know, not because we we're bad people, but we were just um you know we were just fucking berserkers, you know, we would have been on a ship for however many weeks or months or whatever, and we're looking to have a good time and it's a quandary, I don't know what you do like I, I've often felt like why why young men serve and I'm so glad I did it but obviously a big part of it is because we are not risk averse like we're looking for adventure we're looking to for experience we're looking sometimes for trouble to test ourselves or whatever and so we're perfect to be war fighters but um oh can you imagine being like a company commander or something like that and being like yeah hey Remember they issue those Liberty Briefs like, Hey, nobody leave this three hundred mile radius uh, on the weekend and last week we had somebody come up and got a come home and got a DY or somebody didn't come back and it was true. But I mean it's tough to manage. You're like, you like you make these guys into fucking motivators and ass kickers and all that shit and then and bolster us with all this confidence and then we go home or out in town or something and <laughs> find ourselves in trouble. So that is a hazard for, uh, for um, you know, for Marines, for the chain of command. What do you guys you guys remember about the chain of command? Uh, leaders that you that you were proud to serve under.
1: We had a good crew. We did. And, um, you know, you you were talking about Lockley, right? I'm not going to get into it. I'll I'll talk to you off air about some shit that happened with him and I. But, um, there's a reason why I said he's a shithead. It'll always be a shithead to me.
0: Yeah. I know, look, I know he had a, um, I know he had a fucking terrible drinking problem. Yeah. You know, I... Yeah. I was there. That was great. Yeah, well, that's you know, <laughs> I saw. Uh, we Prince, uh, uh, sorry, yeah, you no. Uh, you remember Sergeant yeah, he would go. Hey, how's this? Hey, third platoon. <laughs> hey, hey, where's where's Swineheart? Hey, Swiney. <laughs> I believe it, yeah. It was he was I mean he's like up with like Pentagon shit, He was squared away, yeah. Yeah. Like Central commander or eastern Commander. I mean, he's like he's big up there, man. He's he did great, man. I don't doubt it. him. He, yeah. yeah, you could see that it was good shit, man. You could see that coming. He was a good guy. Um squared away dude, man. Yeah. I remember uh that there was um oh, this was just recently it was a podcast. It was some it was some. Uh, you guys know Theo Vaughn? Yeah. So he had he had uh, Hulk Hogan on, and he of course Theo Vaughn, he's a former addict or whatever. Definitely alcohol and other shit. He said something like, uh, "Yes, hey, you know Hulk, you know how come you don't? I hear you don't drink anymore." He said, "Any any bad thing that ever happened to me, alcohol was involved." <laughs> You know what I mean, and so that was a big thing. Of course, back in the day, you know, again, we cut loose or whatever. But yeah, I know that Locklear. Um, I know that he had a bad, bad drinking problem, and, and yeah, as Forsman shared, uh, and you can find on the fucking internet, he, he, he got in some trouble doing that, man, and uh, so it could have happened. You know, any of us could have had that fate, but um, I had something like that. Some people will get mean, right? You know, mean drunks and shit like that. I remember I had this experience while I was in, uh, on float. It was like, I think it was Rhoda. So we went out in town and it was, um, I had I barely, I had my first beer. We were in this bar and I fucking, it was like a Budweiser bottle and I was just drinking his beer and a couple, and those guys from, uh, force recon that were on our ship they were, um, they were there. And there was one guy who I noticed, I, I recognize one guy and he was sitting next to me and he was fucking hammered and he was chewing a cigarette and letting it, he, you know, I kind of saw him on peripheral vision. And I'm like, all right, Hey, how you doing? Man? And he fucking came over and he was like on my shoulder. And he's like, he let the cigarette kind of fall out of his mouth, chewed it and on my shoulder. And I just kind of like, just kind of pushed them away, kind of stiffed arm them away. And next thing you know, I had somebody, somebody had put me in a sleeper hold and I thought it was like some, one of my, one of us or a joke or whatever. And I woke up and they would to slap me in the face. and like, Hey, Hey. And there was freaking some of those force guys and seals around and all my buddies and stuff were there. A bunch of us from the unit, but nobody had kind of seen what was going on. It's happened. But, uh, that was that dude from Force. I would later see him on on um, float there. We went to the, took that trip to Rome, and it's like Force Recon, like completely commandeered the bus. And I remember, we had that. Remember that fucking major. He was a little. It's ah, kind of a fucking pussy. He was a major. He was the he was the um, the chaplain. And he's on the he's he's sitting at the front of the bus, and he was a he was a nice guy, but he was a fucking pussy. So he was like, "Hey, Sergeant, such and such, calm down back there." And they're all like, "Yeah, whatever you fuck. What are you gonna do, you fucking loser?" And these guys like they were so hammered, they're pissing in bottles. They're like bullying the, that one guy. He was a fucking bully. He would become a mean drunk, and he was bullying different people on the bus, and. uh... That guy, I always kind of swore like I, because he didn't, he wasn't the one who put me in a sleeper hole, but he was the fucking asshole who instigated the whole thing. And uh, I remember um, I locked horns a little bit with this guy who was an upper echelon SEAL. He was there, or I, I said, hey, I told him what happened. And I was kind of like coming from the point of view of, look, we look up to you guys. I want to fucking, I would love to be you know, a SEAL or a spec ops guy. And here you guys are running around drunk and fucking bullying non-rates. You know what I mean? And the guy at first, he, he, I think he wanted to throw down. And he's like, he saw what I was saying, what my point was. And, um, anyway, there's some fucking heroes and there's some villains out there. And, and, uh, who knows? We could have been like that ourselves upon occasion, but long, long time ago. about, you know, we think about, uh, chain of command, uh, some leaders that you really enjoyed serving under.
3: know he knows fucking everything, and, and and I love that. All right, and um, you know it's just he has. You know, I mean, you guys know. There's nothing about combat that he did not know. Um, uh, then of yeah. course, Sergeant Suela, love that guy. Good dude.
0: I'll start with a just, uh, <laughs> just um, yeah. I think that's a desperation move, dude. I think that's like, you know, the the leaders by fear, leaders by by respect. You know, there was definitely some um some leaders that their default was like, you know, I'm big, I'm strong, I've been around longer, I got rank. Um, You know, you're going to listen to me or or there's going to be some kind of consequence. But I think some of the best, the ones that you mentioned, the first ones, um, they all were reasonable men. You know, they would train you hard. They They wouldn't ask you to do anything that they wouldn't do or hadn't done. And they were human beings at the end of the day. But there were some who you mentioned. We all know that we're kind of sadistic and kind of like, yeah, you know, they, they like to be in power a little bit too much. Of course, we see that we can see that in the bigger scale and, you know, world leaders and pull up politics and all that shit. I always felt like if you ask for a volunteer to lead something or, you know, who wants to be class president and the first, you know, half dozen people that raise their hand, you fucking say, well, you're most certainly not going to be the class president, motherfucker. You know, what I mean, we're gonna give it to this quiet kid in the back who's probably, you know, more level headed sort of thing, so but um Yeah, I guess that guy comes from where he did. Um,
3: coming into the infantry platoon expected us to react well to somebody that really didn't have knowledge that was just trying to push power around was more so a down to earth guy. You know, not need not to cross them and not do the wrong thing, but at the same time, you know, they just had a way of carrying themselves. They didn't even their rank really didn't matter. You know, Fordman could have dropped in and been a corporal and, you know, still led very well. You know, he just had this this presence about him, where, you know, when he was talking about field maneuvers, of any of the sort, you were like Dude, I'm going
0: to listen, yeah. Know? Whereas you know some people just carried their rank higher than their knowledge and just didn't work out well, you know. Yeah. Kinda. It travels fast though, man. They fucking that that sh- the news travels fast. the word travels fast about shit like that, and you're like, everybody knows it, you know. But um, yeah. I mean, we're fortunate to have some really good good leaders i was talking to talking to Forsman the other day and you know gave me just a little glimpse into what it must have been like to be a little bit higher in the chain of command you know because when we were we were all isolated from that right we we're over at the barracks cleaning fucking weapons waiting for them to tell us what we're gonna do and so um until we started to experience a little bit more responsibility um and rank, maybe it it kind of it kind of sucked, you know, you're at the mercy of whoever your leaders are, so you better have some good ones, but we did man we we really had some good some good guys leading us, uh but when Forestman came in, <clears throat> like you said, dude, he just knew his fucking field shit, and I feel like up to that point, we knew that we were competent with the basic stuff, but he was asking a little bit more of us uh, and, and I felt like we were a little bit higher speed, you know, like we could go do more of these. He wanted to do these deceptive things and, um, he wanted to do shit like uh, extrapolates more of the sniper type stuff, tactics to the line platoon shit, fucking sit kneel, bend, stand squad rushes crap that, uh, remember that? How many times we fucking those Amtraks we would cover, We pull up these fucking amphibious tanks or whatever. And fucking, the, the, we'd all be, let's talk about Amtrak's to close it out, man. I know you guys got shit to do. But, uh. so, for the listener, uh, if you are in a Marine rifle company, no, battalion, so there's about a thousand guys in the battalion, maybe, and you got four companies, Alpha, Bravo, Charlie, and then a weapons platoon, right? Or, yeah, wep- weapons, company. weapons company. And then, Yeah. So, um, you have your transport modes of transportation. So you got one company and they do helicopters, you know, they're picked up and dropped off by helicopters. You got another company, they do rubber boats like Zodiacs. And we were in, um, an Amtrak battalion or company where we got these fucking amphibious tanks. I always liken it to like, imagine yourself, if you found yourself inside the internal workings of a chainsaw. You're driving around this fucking belly of this thing, the skin of which is could probably be pierced by seven six two am I right none? Yeah, yeah. so it's fucking you're in the you're in this the belly of this beast and you got a fucking driver and a gunner and the little little fucking hatch for the the leader of our platoon and we are down there in a fucking hole. Leaning on top this spit and dip. You got spittoons spilling, you got farts, you got somebody taking a shit in the fucking corner, you got gear oh. everywhere. We're sweating. We're irritated. We're pushing into each other, cursing, swearing. You can't hear shit because you're in this, in this, the belts of the, the tracks moving forward. And then you splash it off of a ship. You'd actually jump off the tailgate of a big ship in however many feet of water. And hope that you fucking, the thing is air, is watertight. I mean, this thing was, it was, you had to like Jesus take the fucking wheel because you're, you're dead. (laughs) And then we'd get to the objective and they'd be like, okay, get out, get out. And the door, a little fucking tailgate would go down and we'd run down this ramp and then we'd fucking get online and like take a knee in the dirt. Like we were gonna, with our little pea shooters. Fucking Amtrak's man. There's something else. That ain't stuff How many did they have us in the back of that cat? So it had it been like twenty on uh, us, four years, you know, you mean you couldn't even move. Like you like sardines. Absolutely like, terrible. Oh, fucking gas. I remember one time in fucking CACs or something like that, we'd drive around for hours in those things, and they did like, oh, there's a chemical there's a chemical attack. And I said, you know, so we put our fucking gas masks on, and I started to get like this ice cream headache, like where the seal was at the top of my head. And I fucking broke the seal, bro. I'm like, I'm going to fuck, it. I'm prepared to die. If this is a nerve agent, I'd rather die than feel this fucking... Because I know this is simulated anyway. I'm fucking cracking my shit. Yeah, we were uh, mop level four, probably, in that S that you were talking about. Yeah. That- None. When you, horrible. none. When you would get fucking mad, every once in a while you would get so mad that you would like you would growl like there was something. A noise would come from you, and you'd be like, oh, "Hate this
2: fuck!" <laughs> 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 the,
0: uh,
2: I'm trying to think.
0: Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, what happened? <laughs> Oh, I remember that. Wait a second. I remember that. You were, yeah, you were pissed then, my brother. You were, <laughs> n- <laughs> it's, it's funny. I get angry. What's that? I, I occasionally get angry. Dude. Yeah, times like that when the gloves have just come off.
3: where we're trying to beat the rain.
0: Um Well, I thought I'd get over to my hole, and I'm trying to remember who was in there with Mrs. Flores or somebody like that. Yes. Uh, <laughs> He's coming on. We're going to get him on. i remember that dude i remember sitting in the jason fighting hole and it was like you the one thing about you know like i said the uh in my little outline i wrote you know none always had a really good like cami paint face paint he always took the time to to do a really cool design and look badass and it none will also detail oriented guy when it came to if we're going to create a fighting hole he's going to trick it out he's going to give it some comfort to home and he Managed to get, like, uh, some overhead cover going there. And he had, like, these... He jammed these, like, saplings into the ground around it to give it, you know, to shield. Because we heard the fucking thunder rumbling. And we knew we were going to get it. And the rest of us were kind of like, oh, we're not even going to try. We knew we were going to get pissed, fucking pissed on here. And none had this whole thing. And the, the skies opened up. And it just turned the earth to, like, a liquid. And all that shit just fell down. And you... Yeah, you lost it like you said, man, you fucking You were screaming like Lieutenant Dan at the top of the fucking mast, bro. <laughs> <laughs> kick or you say like kick your fucking kick your fucking head in <laughs> Not always had a for <laughs> one time that you're gonna write a of cuss words a Oh hell yeah. <laughs> I, I, I know I made plenty. Oh, dude, I loved my I love when you say, uh, pussy face, bitch, you always call it like, yeah, what are you all those pussy face bitches over there? (laughs) PFBs. We call it PFBs. Yeah Yeah, that was terrible. I mean, that, that was the, what I'm remembering. It was, but well, it rained all night. We marched for it was like a who was that? Captain McClernand? remember him? Yeah. He like, <laughs> <laughs> and he had this fucking. He always had. I forget what his call sign was, but he had like this fucking. You know, he was insistent that we like have our camouflage had to be really special. So he had. Or we all had cat had to wear camouflage. Uh, netting on our helmets and I remember his like, remember one time he went to this like mount situation, he came in with like his we all got fucking rifles and shit and long guns he comes in with like a pistol and he's like (laughs) like fucking Charlie's Angels and this thing, but anyway he was a fucking hard dick about it, he's like yeah we're gonna go out and do it, Marines, we're gonna you know, the fucking officer leading from the front, all that shit and we went through that, It's like a 12 hour patrol or something like that, and by the end of it we were so fucking soaking wet. I remember the next day, thank goodness, the sun came out. and We just fucking, there was no games. There was no bullshit. It was like, just fucking leave them alone. Let them fucking, because they're going to die. And we were just, we were just fucking smoked, man. That was terrible. We, uh, we lost Suarez that night
3: on one of those patrols. We, really? Uh, like that. And somebody's like, well, where's Suarez? Well, fuck, I don't know. Nobody knew where Suarez was. So we ended up going back. And Suarez was down in that fucking
0: hole, like a duck. <laughs> arms beside him and shit, and he couldn't get out. He's like, what the fuck, man? i are in this hole. And this <laughs> fucking disappeared, fell down like a six-foot hole. That's fucking great, man. He could lose it, too. I remember him saying, he, he had this thing where Somebody had, it was something like that. They were really suffering or whatever. He goes, man, you know, Suarez. He, he had that whole thing. I was like, yeah, man, look at him. He looks like he'd rather be dead, man. <laughs> 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 fuck it, man. He looks like he'd rather be dead. <laughs> oh, he would fuck. He was good for it, dude. He was good for he would laugh, we would carry on, he was funny as shit. He used to do the clap slide clap on ship, right? With his bath tone, with his tone, thought he was like the the like, every woman on Earth wanted him. Oh he had like three dance moves. I mean, I don't know, I'm no dancer at all, but he he was not you know, he had his like, clap slide clap, he had like a few signature dance moves and his fucking like this vest, right? And he would get up there on the. Leather, I believe. What's that? I think it was leather, wasn't it? Like he, leather Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like some sort of design on it, and he'd go out. He would, uh, he could pull some, some chicks, though, man. He could, uh, he was on the prowl, that guy. Good old Suarez. Private homeboy, they called him in boot camp. Funny as, funny as fuck. <laughs> funny as hell, dude. Funny as fucking hell. Um, <laughs> All right let's let's wind this down. Um, can we can you select a uh, your favorite leadership trait? Remember J.J did tie a buckle. They are judgment, justice, uh, decisiveness, integrity, dependability, tact, initiative, enthusiasm, knowledge no fucking so buckle. Bearing on selfishness, courage, knowledge, loyalty, endurance, something else. What's your favorite leadership trait and why? Outstanding. Excellent. I mean, excellent excellent answers the uh something comes to mind um i you know I, a couple weeks ago i had a some mail i've got the mail and there was a packet from the marine corps recruiting and it, with my son's name on it he's 16 so you know i was i remember where i came from and again the impetus for this podcast and making motivation and talking to my brothers and stuff. It's a, it was a powerful time for all of us. So I would love on the one hand for my children and anybody, any young person as they flounder to try to figure out, you know, what they should do with their life and or what society wants from them or how to be successful. Um, I would love for them to experience a little bit about what we just talked about, you know, um, those leadership traits, the people meeting people working within a melting pot, relying upon one another, letting people see you at your best and your worst. And, you know, still having to, you know, you can't walk away. You gotta fucking, you gotta be there on Monday morning. So you, you can't just like write somebody off like you have to work with them, but um, you know I tore I I fucking threw it out this solicitation because of kind of what you're saying, Nun. Um, I don't I don't see it. I I feel like when we were in for whatever reasons we joined, um, we went you know we joined in part to serve our country and for mom and apple pie and for God, country core, all that stuff. But we were too young and inexperienced to really appreciate the political side of things. And would we be with all of our signing our lives away? Would we be properly purposed? We, that was beyond our wheelhouse, right? Like it was about when it, when it all boiled down it was about us doing our job and getting through it for one another, like I'm going to, we're going to, if we're going to get, if, if we got a second platoon's got to go to combat, well, we're going to try to survive, you know, we're going to try to fulfill the mission and we're going to take each, we're going to bring each other home, you know, like you have to place your, like I said, in a few good men, you know, put your hand, put yourself in another man's, uh, security and you're responsible for each other's lives and stuff like that. That was, and then you grow up a little bit and you're like, holy shit, man, are there any adults in the fucking room? These assholes calling each other names, you know, like deciding that we're going to go off and fight some battle. Like, I don't, I don't like that. I don't like the lack of control. I know that there's kind of a beauty in the simplicity of just service, just selfless service. I'm going to do this job. But when I look at it, I'm like, fuck, man, would I, would I advise my children to do this job? And in some way, like I said, it's—I feel very enthusiastically. It worked for me. It worked for you guys. It's a—we—we we got more stories about this four-year period than we do. <laughs> I don't know. The last twenty years or something like that. It's—it's—it it made me who I am today. But you guys, got any thoughts on that? Like.
1: Like, yeah, we messed up your orders. You have to be at N.A.S. Pensacola, like, like, in two days. I was supposed to be there, like, at the end of like I was supposed to have a month back in June before I went. So, but they messed up the orders, and my class started way before they thought. So I had to, like, I didn't get to say goodbye to anyone. You know, that's what sucked. Like, I don't think a lot of us knew at that time when we got back from Poconoa it was like the last time we were going to see each other. Mm-hmm.
2: yeah I was, kind of I wish there was
0: more we would have more time to kind of out that yeah yeah I think a lot of people you know feel the same way about that and that's uh that's just the way it goes I guess you know everybody was eager to do whatever to get out or go get home go on block leave. but that is one of the things where it's like fuck man you spend every day with somebody and have all these experiences basically inside one another's personal space. You know their friggin' family dynamic. You know maybe a little bit about their high school sweetheart or their girlfriend or their wife or something. They got kids, you know. Whatever is going on, you're, you're tapped in you're with, to all of it. Even the people that we might have not been that close with within a platoon, we kind of have a sense of what they're going on what's going on in their life and that closeness. There's really nothing like that in the civilian sector. I think that we, when we go out, we cre- recreate it. Sometimes we might extrapolate it to our workforce, you know, or, you know, obviously if we we have, we're still kind of semperfied out, then, you know, it. it I mean, I've tried to shine it on everything in my life. I've trying to, I've I had no choice but to do that. I just kind of really, I'm proud of it. I um, guess we're not too far away from wearing the red satin jackets <laughs> you know what I'm saying <laughs> fucking big buttons and shit on them but <clears throat> I guess my point was like I'm crazy about it I think like there should I came up with this strategy I think like service everybody should have to do some some kind of service but there should be there should be a civil service and a military service component I'd like to see like because one of the things I really liked was um, I, I enjoyed Cuba I liked that there was like a you know, a peacekeeping mission or, you know, we learned about these Cubanos and, the, you know, how they live and that they're just trying to get a, have a better life and, and get away from this, you know, this communist country that, that there's no opportunity. I thought that that was pretty cool, a cool mission. Um, and then, you know, so that would leave people well-balanced. It wouldn't just to be about kicking people's asses. It would be about helping people. And I think that a lot of, in America you know, we're kind of, we're spoiled, right? I I read something 7% ever served. 7% of Americans ever served. Like the total number, it's low. It's like definitely below 10%. So we're in a minority of individuals and everybody kind of hoists us up and says, oh, thank you for your service and all that stuff. But I feel like a lot of people, they appreciate those who serve, but they're insulated from it and they take it for granted. And that's why I'm saying like, whether, who whoever becomes president or whatever politician, they're so, they're not worthy of our service a lot of the time, you know what I mean? And I feel like they need to, if you're going to ask young men like we were to go off and do crazy fucking things and come back broken or dead, fractured in some kind of way, then you're, to me, that's the most, um, the most important thing. Like you better fucking get it right. You better take care of these guys and gals when they come back and you better purpose us correctly as because we're fucking naive right yeah we just want to you want us to go kick somebody's ass we'd love to fight you know we're gonna go and drink later we're gonna carry on look at these you know grunts doing their grunt thing but um you know we made a lot of sacrifices to do what we did and so i'd like to see i would like to enthusiastically say hey son you know daughter go off and serve. It's the greatest thing in the fucking world. Not because they saw it on a movie that, Hey, you know, it's cool to be a a warrior, tough guy, Rambo or whatever. But, um, you know, anyway, so we got a lot of good stuff out there, guys. I love you too dearly. And I am uh, honored that you spent a couple hours on the weekend talking about the old times. Obviously I think we could go back and forth for hours, but, uh, and hopefully we will do this again. Um you guys got any final words or thoughts? Oh uh, man, I uh, appreciate you having me on. It's been a pleasure talking. you guys too. Yeah. 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 We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it right. Um took a little hiatus there, We're doing it every year and all that shit, but we should do it. Um we should do it again soon. So uh <clears throat> how about you, Nun? You got any thoughts, man? Ah, oh, man, you know, like you said, love both of you guys dearly, man. Miss you guys all the time, you know. Um, we had
2: some uh, good times, we had some tough times, uh, you know, but, but it's still, you know, it's, you're still my family, mm-hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. You know, and and that right there, it's not a, you can't put a price on that. You know, you had to go through some form of suffering and
0: and some troubling times to have that bond. Um, And and serving in the Marine Corps, you know, gave us that. You know, knowing that, you know, no matter how screwed up the world is right now, we still have. Yeah, that's a special thing, man. It's an awesome feeling to have, and that's true. Semper Fidelis means always faithful. So uh, with that being said, love and respect, Semper Fi, and you guys have a kick-ass week. I'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, OB. Have a good one. Brother. Take care, guys. Thank you, brother. <clears throat>